Hello, welcome to the Relevant Faith Podcast. My name is Frank Mistretta, and on this podcast, Pastor Troy Wallace and I have Bible-focused, Jesus-centered discussions about what it looks like to live as a Christian in today's culture. If you have any feedback, want to ask a question, have a topic you would like us to talk about, or just want to be on the show, you can email us at relevantfaithpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out Crosspoint Adventist Church on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Adventist and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash crosspointadven. That's A-D-V-E-N. Be sure to watch the Crosspoint Worship Service live stream at our website at crosspointadventist.com Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Relevant Faith. My name is Frank, and I'm here with Troy again today. Hey, Troy, how's it going? Hey, Frank. It's good. Good to see you back on the show, man. Yeah, I took a little a little break. Uh, parent duties kind of uh, amped up a little bit once uh, my wife went back to work. So I've been taking on more of like the dad role, and it's awesome. I love mm-hmm. being a father. Um, and yeah, it just means less time to do things that I enjoy doing, which... Um, it's fine, you know, give, give and take. So, um, yeah. How have you been this week, Troy? Um, good. I am taking a couple of days to go up to a cabin, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I'll get some R and R and be able to be out in, in nature and just soak in that, that environment. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I'm pretty jealous. That's pretty cool, man. Um, yeah. Social distancing, you're taking it to the next level. You're like going off grid. So <laughs> that's good. Um, well, Troy, uh, our guest today is somebody that you you're familiar with, right? You've, you've worked with her in the past. Care to introduce us? Yeah, I'd love to. So our guest today is um, Dr. Pam Strawn. And Pam was a supervisor slash colleague um, at the hospital while I was a student uh, learning how to, to do hospital chaplaincy. And so Pam, um, she was a mentor figure for me. Um, she blessed me a lot with our morning devotionals before we go up and visit people. And it's just a good friend too. So Pam, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Troy. It's been a joy to to be here and to to connect with you and Frank. So thank you for having me. Oh, thank you Absolutely. for Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, Pam. So Frank, you have a question to kick off our interview. Yeah, I do. Um, so, well, first off, um, Pam, I, I want to ask what a chaplain is because I don't really know. Um, I've been very blessed and fortunate enough not to have to interact with the hospital chaplain. Um, but before, before that, um, can you just tell us a little bit about like your faith journey, like how uh, you came to Christ and, and how what made you want to become a chaplain and how you got into that? And then, um, you know, once you kind of do that, maybe you can just explain what a hospital chaplain is, because I imagine that there's like a, a hospital church that you're the pastor of. But it, I don't think it's probably quite like that. So, um, yeah, if you could just tell us your background and, and how you got into chaplaincy. That'd be awesome. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my story is pretty long, but I will make it very, very short. Um, So I would say that um, my faith uh, journey um, began in Jamaica. I I was born in Jamaica, West Indies, and um, I 
my life started out with chaos, um, with violence, with abuse. Um, my parents, um, they were constantly in conflict. And so um, mom left four of her children. I don't know where she went, but she could not handle the violence in the home. So she left. And so uh, my dad was a working father. And, um, and so he was left to take care of four children and that was too much for him. So he, he sent us off to um, his mother um, and father um, with the hopes of coming back to get us the next day, but he didn't show up to get us. And mm. so, um, so as a result of that, um, I lived with my grandmother for several years and she was a woman of faith. She was a, a Christian woman. And, um, and so she was the type of person who worshiped God. And so as a little girl, every Friday evening, she will gather myself and my three brothers at the table and she would begin with worship. She would begin the Sabbath with worship. And so um, through that experience, my grandmother um, pointed out Christ to me. Um, and um, she would gather us for prayer and we would sing. And when Sabbath would come, she, will she would take us to church. And so that's where my faith in God began. And, um, and so... Later in life, um, actually, I she died um, right before I came to this country, which I came to this country in my late teens. And so um, in my late, late teens, I, I decided to give my life to the Lord. And so I became, I, I became, I, I got baptized. And, um, but you know, um, even though I was baptized and I, I was going to church weekly, um, my heart of heart wasn't into church until one day I went to the bathroom in my apartment and I was washing my hands in the bathroom. And at this moment, I was looking in the mirror. And as I was washing my hands and looking into the mirror, a still small voice said to me, you are not living up to your full potential. There's much more to life than what you are currently living. And I knew right at that moment that it was the spirit of God speaking to me. And I decided at that moment that I was going to put a fork in the road. God is God and I am going to serve him. And I remember walking out of that bathroom that day saying to myself, as for me and my house, that I will serve the Lord. And that was a changing point in my life. Wow. And um, I was living in New York um, at the time and I left New York and I went to Michigan to college and um, it was during my time in college that the Lord guided me to uh, prepare for the ministry. And um, what I didn't know was that um, he had chaplaincy in mind for me. And so, um, 
So that was a life-changing experience for me, um, enter in, into ministry. Um, at first, I wasn't sure if um, it was pastoral ministry, um, as far as church ministry or chaplaincy, he wanted me to um, embark upon. But over time, he revealed to me that it was chaplaincy. And so um, that's how that started. Thank you for sharing. Awesome. That was a uh, man. That must have been an intense childhood growing up. But I bet that helps you um, as a chaplain, huh? Having having that connection to to a, kind of a rough life probably makes you connect with a lot of people as a chaplain. Oh, absolutely! It's amazing how God works in our lives um, because He will take our unpleasant circumstances and use it for His glory. And what I didn't realize that um, the grief of my childhood that he, will, he would use in chaplaincy to help people with grief. And so going back to your question, um, Frank, about what is a chaplain, um, a chaplain is a pastor, um, it, but it is a specialized ministry. Um, I see chaplains as spiritual care specialists and so um, mm -hmm. what that includes is um, caring for the spiritual and emotional needs of individuals who are hurting. And um, mm -hmm. it's a ministry of presence um, where um, the chaplain is, is present with those who are dying, those who are searching for meaning and those who are struggling with being alone, struggling with unresolved grief. Um, chaplaincy involves counseling, praying with patients. There are times when I, I, I have done baptism creatively in the hospital. Mm. I've done baby blessings and anointing and communion. So it includes a wide um, scope of different um, things in ministering to those who are hurting. So that is chaplaincy in a nutshell. Wow. Awesome. So uh, Pam, you spend a lot of time with people that are broken and hurting and in need of presence and support. Um, when you're in a world where you're immersed in that type of experience, how, how, what, what impact does that have on you as a person and how do you take care of yourself um, to keep yourself grounded and and uh, not a, not consumed by grief. Right, very good question. You know, um, before I enter, I should say each day, I start out um, my day with seeking God's first because I don't know what I will face um, during the day um, supporting those who are hurting. So. I feel like I begin, and I feel like I begin my, my, my self-care before I get to work. And so I get up early in the morning and I spend time seeking God and asking for his Holy Spirit to, to lead and guide me. And so that is where I begin. Um, because chaplaincy ministry, it, 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 it can get emotionally heavy. Um, listening to the pain and the suffering that people are going through. And so I am intentional about 
do in self-care. There are times when I listen to someone's story, someone's pain, and that pain is, is so heavy. Um, after the visit, I would go for a walk and do some deep breathing, or I will come back to my office and I will close the door and I will just spend some time just being alone. I will listen to music. I will go to go walk in after work, or I will uh, go to the gym, um, drink a lot of water. So it's important in doing this ministry that self-care be for uh, at the forefront of one's mind. Mm. Wow. I'm good. starting to realize That's that, that chaplaincy, when you said it's a, what did you say? A, a specialized spiritual ministry? Spiritual uh, care specialist. Yeah, spiritual specialist. I can I can start to see the picture you're painting because, I mean, I, I feel like you deal with heavy stuff all the time, like mm-hmm. like every day, all day. It's just heavy death and, and sadness. And so, um, yeah, that, thank you for, for painting that picture. Um, I, I had a, a quick question. Um, you were talking about how, or Troy was saying how he was your student. And so, Troy, this is actually a question for both both you and Pam, because so so how, Pam, do you handle that type of training for students and like you, Troy, like how like how do you both work together to like manage that pain as a student teacher relationship? Mm. That's a good question. As a student, so Pam's role was a little bit different than the teaching facilitator because Pam Pam was more like a a supervisor. Like she would come pop in and check in on on us and she she joined us and shadowed us in some of our visits just to give us feedback and things like that. And I think, I I don't know, Pam, you could tell me what your perspective on how you wanted to give training to us but from my perspective um, I think Pam you wanted to be a mirror for us and how we were experiencing the visits we were having with patients so that we could do better uh, and be present and be more present with our patients that's kind of what I gleaned from our student teacher supervisor relationship right Um, you're absolutely right and and um Yes, um, I didn't do much teaching per se. I, I just wanted to shadow you guys and uh, just, you know, um, just to see how you're practicing and give you tips and, and ideas of how you can improve and how to um, uh, do some very good conversation um, with your patients. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that was an exciting um, part of it for me because it, it allows me to see the dynamic that you have with the patient and, and, and also to be available to reflect on the visit um, and to look at how you do your yeah. charting and to help to improve that with you. So that was an exciting piece for me to, to shadow you guys and to help in that, that process of training. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I I have a deep seated like a dream to go to seminary or something one day. But hey, Pam, real quick, <laughs> did Detroit pass? Oh, you know, Troy <laughs> is 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 such a deep man, um, and I really <laughs> admire him a lot. And um, honestly, I'm not saying this because he's my friend, but I'm being honest. Um, 
Choi um, is the type of person who is very reflective and he's a deep thinker. And I, and he is, as I observe him and as I listen to him, he knows how to be present with people and relationship is very important to him and connection. And so I thought that if I was a patient in the bed, I would want Ch uh, Choi to be my chaplain. And Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. Welcome. Be, if you if it, if it ever comes to that, I will be there. <laughs> Thank you. So Pam, you know, since since I was last in the hospital, it sounds like it's a completely different environment now. Um, the protocols that you guys have made to have had to shift, I'm assuming, have been tremendous. What what is the difference between how the hospital operates now and maybe how it did operate prior to the pandemic? That's a very good question. Um, it, it's quite different um, because um, there was a time when we would go from room to room and we would visit with patients. And because of this pandemic, we are trying our best not to contaminate others with this virus because we don't know who have this virus and who don't have this virus. So we, uh, we limit the visits by making sure that we get requests and that we get calls. And, mm -hmm. and if there is someone in the room with the virus that we don't go into the room. So we do ministry from a distance and we use mm -hmm. iPads and we use the telephone. And so um, we do a lot of social distancing. Um, so it, that is quite different because chaplains are called mm -hmm. to be, uh, to come alongside um, people who are hurting. And, and it's very hard to, to do ministry from a, from a distance. But we um, we do the best that we can in bringing comfort to those who are hurting, and it's working so far. Yeah, yeah, and 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 something I learned from you, Pam, um, just the value of appropriate physical touch, mm -hmm. and um, just you know the power of a touch in a moment of grief can be tremendous. And 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 so, what's it like to not be able to be bedside with some of these patients? Um, how has that changed maybe their interactions with you? You know, it's, it, it, is, it is very hard um, because even the other day I went to see someone and, um, and the person wanted to, to hold my hand um, during the prayer. This person was isolated and family couldn't be there. And so I was there. And so he wanted prayer, and um, and it was very hard for me to to uh, I didn't say no, but I said let me put on my gloves, and uh, and so that that was very hard for me to do, but he he understood why I had to do that, and um, and so and so we held hand and and prayed with my gloves on and my mask on, and that's another thing too. I have to wear masks. Um, when I visit with, mm -hmm. with patients. And so I, sometimes the, the gloves and the mask, it, it's a thin barrier, but nevertheless, we do the best that we can in supporting those who are hurting. But it's, it's very difficult. 
because yeah. yeah i am also I, a touchy feely person you know and, you know um exercise an appropriate touch and so um so it's hard hey pam have you gotten any pushback because i know um at least for a while there there was a lot of talk of the ppe shortage like they don't have enough gloves and masks and um at the hospital I work at, they were like really conserving it. And so I don't know what part of the world or country that you're in right now, but um, I could imagine a area that's not really open to faith, pushing back on chaplaincy, using gloves and face masks to go talk to a patient. Have you experienced anything like that? No, I have not um, experienced anything like that. In fact, during this time, people are more willing to reach out to get that spiritual support. You know, um, oh, folks will say, I'm not. Are you seeing that? Oh, yes. Are you seeing people being more open to like faith and, and talking about Jesus? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not spiritual, they will say, or I'm not religious, but, um, but I just need someone to talk with, I would hear. And um, because of the isolation and the loneliness that people are experiencing, they, they they just wanna they just wanna talk and um, oh and especially with what's going on in our country, um, people are experiencing things that they never ha- um, experienced before and so there is the um, there there are anxiety and fear and they want to talk about what's happening mm. and you know you never know how the conversation is gonna turn and I always ask you know, about um, the spiritual aspect of their life. What is it that gives you a sense of hope? And that can open up a can of worm um, to allow people to look at their life and to figure out or find out or see what is it that helps me to cope with life when things get um, very difficult. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So Pam, you, one of your roles is to be a facilitator mm-hmm. of the grieving process. And I'm sure you do this organically with a lot of conversations, but do you have like a process? Do you have, do you have some objectives in maybe not, not that you're trying to accomplish in a patient's room, but maybe some things that you know that you've succeeded in mm-hmm. helping somebody process grief. If if maybe they do this, mm-hmm. this, this, or that, you know, uh, what does that look like to facilitate mm-hmm. a grief process? You know, um, I'm constantly looking for ways to facilitate the grieving process in a healthy way. Um, um, there are times when um, the grieving process is so messy that um, you just roll with the flow with what's going on. But um, the key um, for me in facilitating the grief process is, is, is listening. Listening to, to what the griever is going through and affirming where they are. Um, and, you know, when they show up and started to talk about their grief, for me, they're acknowledging that this is a difficult time. This is a painful time. I'm hurting right now. Even though sometimes they don't communicate that um, or that I'm acknowledging this, but by them talking about it and showing up, that tells me I'm acknowledging that I'm hurting. 
And so um, one of the things that I, um, I do is, is I try to normalize the grief experience for them. And what that means is I, I, when they talk about, I feel sad, I feel confused, I feel angry, I am numb, or I feel so alone, um, I normalize that for them by saying that this is to be expected during this grieving process. This is a normal process of going through grief. And um, even though it doesn't feel normal, what you are going through, it's a normal response to, to losing a loved one. So normalizing the grieving process is very important and, and um, highlighting the feelings that they, they, that they bring to surface. Um, grief is a, I see the definition for grief is that it's a natural or normal response to loss. And so whatever responses that they have, I don't tell them you shouldn't be feeling that. I let them know it's okay to feel what you feel. Mm -hmm. And it's quite normal. Yeah. Yeah, because grieving can feel a little chaotic for the person, like a loss of control and a loss of a sense of I don't know, composure and everything exactly. else that goes along with that. So, hey, Pam. So I um, have no real like interpersonal uh, training, right? In college, I didn't take any real like humanities courses or anything that would help train me as just like an average person on how to connect with somebody who is grieving or really going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the one of the things I'm excited about with this podcast and having all these amazing people like yourself on is to help people like me who are just average people know kind of what they can do to help their fellow brother and sister in Christ or even just their neighbor if they're going through a hard time, what what we can do to help them with that grieving process. So do you have any just like <laughs> simple <laughs> I, uh, tips or anything for somebody who doesn't have the training to to just help somebody through a tough time? Yes. So so I'll give you um like five five um simple steps. And um the first one is um recognition. Recognizing that this is a difficult time and I'm feeling and I'm hurting. And um the second step is to reach in. Be frank with yourself. What do I need right now to cope with what I'm going through? And so you, um, the next one is resources. You harness all the tools and the resources for, for what you are going through. And so um, I would say um, some tools that can help you um, during this time of grief and loss is, 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 for example, exercise. You know, that's a part of self-care. Mm -hmm. You know, eating healthy meals, um, scripture, prayer, meditation, reading sacred books, um, staying connected with your friends and your family, reaching out for help. There are support groups out there. How can I find a support group that will help me to talk about my grief in a healthy and safe space. Um, 
recollection, looking back at um, your life and what has helped me in the past. And so recalling those positive coping strategies that, you, that, that help you in the past and, and, and use them creatively in this moment to help you with your present loss. And um, so, so, so those are some things that I, I think that can, can, can help you. And not to, to um, it's so easy to isolate, not to isolate yourself, but to be open to, um, to receive support from others um, as you're going through this moment of grief. I don't know, does that make any sense to you? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Troy, I uh, I envy you, man. Pam must have been an amazing supervisor. <laughs> of course, man. I, and she's got that uh, pastor preacher gift of alliteration. She just yeah, did I, five I, R's. I was I writing think. it down. I was like, oh, wow, she's going to make it five R's, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, it's one of the memory tricks. Yeah. Now we can remember. So to review, it was recognition, reaching in, resources, reaching out yes. and recalling coping um, strategies. And, and one of them that I didn't mention was okay. resilience. Resilience is, is a super definition for mm. resilience is struggling well, you know, because when you're coping and handling stress mm. well during a crisis or doing a lot, it can help you to bounce back with strength, hope, and peace. And so um, like those things that I mentioned that you can utilize to help you get through the grief, like the exercise and the healthy meals and using your spiritual um, tools to help you. All of those things will um, help you to cope um, with the loss and it will help to build resilience and, and allow peace and hope to fill your heart. Yeah, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, Pam, I, I think I think of grief broadly. And, you know, I heard somebody say one time that 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 you will always have grief with every change. And so, it, you know, there's good grief, like, you know, grieving your daughter going from fifth grade into middle school. There's the grief of her elementary self, you know, but there's like the hope of who she's becoming as a middle schooler. There's like that mm -hmm. type of kind of excited grief, but then there's like the grief of, of the absence of death or a loss mm -hmm. or a breakup or something like that. And I look at, I look at the world right now and we've, we've had a sense of loss because of our, probably our normal whatever mm -hmm. our normal was before COVID-19 hit um what what do you think of the impacts of grief maybe on society at large or the world at large right now and and what are you seeing as uh, like some of the uh, the warning flags some, some of the things that are toxic that are coming out of COVID-19 that right. we might be able to address helpfully? yes the world is filled with much grief right now and um, the loss of a job, um, people dying, um, people are not able to move around like they used to. Um, it, it, it is overwhelming for a lot of people. I have gotten calls where, where people are crying because they, um, even people that they used to go to to help them to cope 
um, with difficulties, they are not around. Mm. They 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 cannot connect with with those individuals. Mm. People come to see me who can't go to church, and um, and so the grief for sure is very overwhelming, and uh, and it triggers fear, fear of the unknown. Um, it triggers anxiety. Um, and also mental health issues as well. And so the toxic part that I'm seeing is, is the, the overwhelming fear that, that people are going through um, because they have lost so much. And not only that, they don't know what the future holds, but as believers, we know who holds mm-hmm. the future. And um, in moments like this, I find um, many stories in the Bible um, that are very helpful. And one of them for me personally, I I must say that I am not exempt from this grief as well. Personally, I am affected. And um, what Mm -hmm. a story that I hold on to during this pandemic is the story of when Jesus was in the boat with um, his disciples and he was asleep while they were in a storm and you know the story very well I'm sure and uh, and what brought comfort to me in that story is uh, when they um, when they wake up Jesus and said don't you care that I perish um, I was struck by the question that Jesus asked them why were you afraid? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, Lord, they're in a storm, you know, that would trigger fear. Why did you ask them that question? Hmm. And the response that the, the, that the spirit brought to me was this, that they did not recognize who was with them in that, in that storm. And this Jesus who is um, who's the creator of the heavens and the earth, he's with us in the storm. And so when we fail to acknowledge that and remember that, it's easy to become anxious and afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've preached that sermon probably twice now during <laughs> COVID-19. And one of my takeaways because I think that is the important question. Like, who is God? Who is who is this man? Um, but when Jesus asked them that question, um, where is your faith? You know, uh, I used to read that that question as like almost insulting. Like Jesus was like, oh, your faith mm-hmm. is so small, you know, condescending. But what I've started to realize um with with the whole picture of God, God is love, and that's the primary objective mm-hmm. of why He came to Earth is to reveal His love. What He re- at the core of what He's asking, what I've internalized is like He's asking, mm-hmm. "Where is your mm-hmm. belief that I actually mm-hmm. love you? Mm-hmm. You know, that your life is this hard, and it may mm-hmm. seem hard to believe that I actually love you, but mm-hmm. don't you believe because of all you've seen? You know, and." Mm-hmm. It's been a powerful reminder for me. Like, yep, he you does. know, it could be horrible, but he loves and it. And I see. Yeah, one of my um. Oh, no, it's okay. Sorry, Pam, um, I was also gonna say that um, 
spiritually, um, people are struggling so much because they're searching for meaning um, in this pandemic. Um, where is God in the midst of the suffering? And so um, sometimes when people are going through grief, it's, um, it's hard to connect um, sometimes spiritually. Um, and so, um, so I see where people are struggling to pray. They're struggling to find God in the midst of their suffering. You know, I um one of my life verses is near the end of the book of Genesis when um, Joseph is talking to his brothers and, you know, after he revealed who he was and stuff, and he tells them what mm -hmm. you planned for evil, God mm -hmm. turned into good. And um, it's just, it's just after, you know, the whole story and stuff, it really gives mm -hmm. me a little bit of hope or a lot of hope actually, because, because while it's so evil right now um, and there is like a lot of spiritual turmoil and stuff. I've, I've been seeing like neighbors mm -hmm. are more close together and like people are helping each other out. People are asking questions about God who wouldn't normally ask questions. Um, people are talking about like, are there ways that we can mm -hmm. do church better now even? Um, and so, mm -hmm. you know, I know that it's a scary, crazy time and there's going to mm -hmm. be a lot of hard stuff. Um, but I hope after this that, that God's going to yeah. be in a big way. Amen. And he's moving hugely right now, yeah. even though we cannot see certain things, but he's moving. And I like what you mentioned, Frank, about hope, um, because people are looking for hope. And I hope that even with this um, um, podcast, that people will listen and, and find hope that, um, that they're going to get, they're going to make it through. They're going to get through it. Um, with the presence of God's help on their spirit. I was driving home on yesterday and I saw this church with this big sign and, and the sign says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And I thought that was beautiful. Mm. Amen. Ah, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's times like these where the things that should matter mm -hmm. second are being stripped away and we're, we're mm -hmm. able to focus on the thing that matters the most uh, mm -hmm. if we allow that process to happen. <laughs> um, but, mm -hmm. but it's painful to be stripped down, you know, down to, down to the core. And I have a feeling that on the other side of this, believers especially, but I hope more than believers will have uh, a greater mm -hmm. sense of trust in God, you know, and I hope that new, new people come to know, you know, this God of hope, this God of redemption, this God of resurrection, um, like, like we do. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Amen. I hope people catch that hope because it's important. And, and, uh, and also too, you know, um, Samaritan's purse. Um, I know that, like Franklin Graham is political and, and in that whole system. And, you know, there's different opinions and all that, but Samaritan's purse set up a like wartime triage hospital in central park in mm. New York to help Mount Sinai hospital take COVID mm. patients. And um, wow, I remember reading an article that, you know, they're, a, they're a traditional Christian organization. And so a lot of people were like, 
not cool with them and what they believe and stuff like that. And they were like, Hey, we're going to set up and help anyway. Like we're going to, you know, show love to you. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you mm-hmm. wash away all the, the extra stuff at the end of the day, it's a Christian group helping people when they didn't have to. Right. And so I think stuff like that, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I pray that the church could really reach out, like you said, what reach out and, and offer resources and, and just really help people through this. And I think it's going to, it's going to really be a good thing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks. Uh, Thank you so much, Pam, for spending some time with us and sharing about chaplaincy, spiritual care, grief, the hospital, your story, and just Mm -hmm. all the, 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 the wisdom that you bring. Uh, So thanks for being with us. Thanks again for having me. This Uh, was was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Pam. Would you be willing yeah. to uh, pray for yes, us? Yes, for close? sure. God of hope, we just want to say thank you for being our God, a God who is present with us at all times, during the good times and also the difficult times. And as we end this broadcast today, Lord, I just pray that those who listen will have a glimmer or or um, will have hope in their hearts, knowing that, God, you are with us because you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And so, Lord, I'm reminded in Isaiah where you said you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So may we keep our mind on you, dear God, and may we trust you. God of our hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Jesus came into the world announcing that the kingdom of God has arrived in him. Culture wants to have the kingdom without the king, but Jesus is as relevant today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. Thank you for listening as we wrestle with how to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern culture and to share our relevant faith. Amen. Amen.